Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful James Matthews. James, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, and you're welcome. Glad to have you. James is a certified financial planner. Since 2005, he has provided financial education and guidance to a diverse clientele, including individuals, corporate retirement plan sponsors, and their participants. He is on a mission to make financial planning affordable and accessible to the next generation. Um, James, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. That sounds great, George. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm talking to you today from sunny Charlotte, North Carolina, where it's about 22 degrees. So Mm. (laughs) it's a little cold for us here today. Um, But we we moved down here about 10 years ago, my wife and I, and we have a 10-year-old son and um, have been in in the personal finance world pretty much my entire career. And for the last few years, really have focused exclusively on my work with next generation clients and business owners exclusively. Um, And it's been a really interesting experience. I've worked in several different capacities over the years and in different places, but have really settled into my current firm, um, which is a firm here in town called Consolidated Planning, where I am actually the director of wealth management there and and sort of oversee our wealth management and uh, fee planning business, uh, but also am a practitioner there and and work with clients directly. Excellent. So working with business owners, working with next generation folks, can you define that for me and uh, take me a little deeper into into the work you're doing for them? Absolutely. So I would define the quote-unquote next generation as basically the swath of the population that's the majority of who's working today um, up to the folks that are within like 10 years or so of retirement. So I would consider them – You know, I sort of hesitate to use the word millennial, but millennial generation as well as the Gen X crowd and even to some extent these days some of the Gen Z crowd um, starting to filter in on the low end. But basically anybody who is sort of still in that accumulation phase and they're you know climbing the mountain so to speak and obviously there's some different plateaus up the accumulation side of the mountain as, as you're getting ready to – uh, retire someday in the future and come back down the other side of the mountain. But primarily, the work that I do is with those folks that are still, you know, in somewhere, you know, a third or halfway up the mountain. And there's there's a whole lot of planning work that has to do with making sure that they're saving enough, make sure that they're protecting themselves and their families, and really everything in between. Yeah, yeah there's there's no, there no two ways about that. That's when so many of the uh, the events in life have a tendency to happen. Of course, absolutely. Now that I say that, obviously, there's events that take place in every stage of our life. But sure. I got that. So, so why why did you decide to focus on 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 that uh, that market? It's a really good question. I really in working in more of a traditional wealth management role uh, some years ago, I was always frustrated by the fact that there was very little advice or services out there that were aimed at my own age bracket. So I'm sort of on the older edge of the millennial cohort. And, you know, in looking at my peers and looking at friends and family and and folks that were in my own age bracket, there was very little advice that was out there at the time. And so it became sort of a passion project of mine to figure out a way um, to sort of democratize the access to advice. And that was part of what led me to 
uh, go to work in the uh, retirement plan administration space it was because the work that we were doing there was really aimed at providing financial advice inside of people's retirement plans, which is for the majority of the population where most folks who are still working's investments are. That's the most common you know, place for people to be saving. And so we didn't have those restrictions on you know, working with people with certain levels of affluence or wealth that we could really provide advice to whoever called us. It was a call center type of environment. And um, you know, we were able to help pretty much everybody. And, you know, in sort of looking at what's out there now, you know, with the sort of birth of the robo advisor movement and a lot of the proliferation of bloggers and so forth, that there's just so much information available today, yet there's really little in the way of planning services that are aimed at helping people, in particular young people, make sense of all of the information, and especially with regards to what's in their best interest based on their situation and not just using some general rules of thumb or sort of what I would call fortune cookie advice, right? That's the sort of soundbite type of financial advice where it's it's good ideas in theory, but you know they can be flat wrong depending on somebody's individual circumstances too. And so the firm I'm with has been in business for 37 years. And in that time, we've really learned a lot about what works. You know, We've seen uh, an entire generation of clients come through the doors and, and really more importantly, what doesn't work for our own clients. And so we take somewhat of an uncommon approach that puts financial organization and risk management at the center of our planning efforts and emphasizes the things that our clients can control, like how much they're saving, for example, instead of focusing on rate of return, um, trying to minimize their debt and taxes to what degree we can, as opposed to trying to engage in a needs-based planning, which forces them to guess about things that are way in the far-off future or things that are completely unknowable and impossible to predict. And we find that, you know, especially for younger people, thinking about retirement, for example, that you know, certainly it's important, but it's so far into the future that it's it's such an abstraction that it's hard to get them to focus on saving for something that's that far away. When we're really more interested in helping them just create the habit of saving in general and, and be saving a healthy portion of income, and we can get into the nuances of the specifics of how a retirement plan might get executed you know, way down the road once they've accumulated some assets. Well, I think that, that was a lot of great information there. And I totally agree that you know probably now more than ever, we are drowning in information and starving for wisdom. So it's awesome that technology is affording us the opportunities to, to do all the things that we are, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's useful or that people are actually able to put it into practice and, and find value in it. Um, and, you know, and to a degree, I imagine that the, such a vast majority of millennials and y- younger folks are very interested in taking advantage of technology, but at the same time, you're helping them to make it work for them. So. Absolutely. That's, and that's interesting that you make that point because um, the Guardian Life Insurance Company did a really fascinating uh, survey of millennials this past year, and they compared them to both Generation X as well as baby boomers, and they asked them the same questions. And it was a statistically significant survey. They surveyed over 4,000 people, I think it was. And one thing that, that stuck out is that you know, millennials are sort of perceived as being this you know, digital zombie type of, of demographic where they want everything to be digital. They want everything to be sort of arm's length and no human interactions. And what we found in the survey results was the exact opposite, that millennials, especially when it comes to receiving financial advice, are incredibly advice receptive, that they're very open to the idea of advice, and they're very attracted to – bundled fee-based services um, that are delivered by a human advisor 
that's in a similar life stage to them. And as we've spent time you know, building out a service model in our own firm over the last two years called Blueprint that was really aimed at doing exactly that. It, it provides human advisors that can work with younger clients, but addressing the things that are important to them at the life stage they are. And um, you know, the feedback about that has been really good, and we've helped a lot of people that otherwise may not have had access to advice because of it. I think that that certainly makes sense, being able to to bring everything together in a way that's easy for people to understand uh, instead of this abstract, okay, I need to be doing financial planning, I guess, or I need to be doing retirement planning, whatever that is. You make it easy to understand, make it step-by-step, and make it more tangible. So I think that that Agreed. makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think that getting people's attention and then getting them to change their behaviors is oftentimes the, 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 the sort of what's going to help somebody to be successful. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. Instead of getting people to start doing retirement planning, frame it that let's just get you in the habit of saving. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, again, going back to our next gen service model, you know, we, we went around for a while and, and trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to do in terms of like, you know, you get the question, what kind of planning, quote unquote, do you do with young clients? And it's for us, it was really about helping them formulate the right habits early on. You know, so it was, again, around organization and helping them get their you know, just their information in a place where it's they can see it and it makes sense to them and then helping them you know, protect themselves. So for young people, you know, the biggest financial asset that they have is their ability to earn an income. Right. It's all the income you haven't earned yet and that you'll earn over the next couple of decades. And so putting that protection conversation at the forefront, you know, helping them with things like disability insurance and life insurance and getting all those things right, um, as well as helping them just create the savings habits. Right. Getting them to a point where they're saving 15 or 20 percent of their income and doing so in the right places, too. So not just using retirement accounts, for example, but making sure that they're building up you know, life event funds, that they've got a balance of liquidity between, you know, long-term investment savings inside retirement accounts versus, you know, just cash or, you know, liquid investments on their balance sheet. And then making sure that the debt has an appropriate place in there too, that we're not buying too much house, we're not buying, you know, too many new cars too often, or, you know, that student loans are being handled as, as part of that conversation. So it's really just about helping them get the basics right. That, you know, if you think about young people, and you made this point earlier, that, and the majority of the financial decisions that get made in life, the big ones happen between the ages of about 18 and 40. And you know, everything from what kind of work we're going to do, where we go to school, where we're going to live, all those kinds of sort of big ticket decisions that get made. And the impact of those decisions you know, over the rest of our lifetimes are just sort of compound from there. But in working with younger clients, the, the impact of helping f- – uh, shape some of those small incremental decisions at an early age can compound into seven figure differences over several decades. You know, if we think about a young person, for example, that's starting a new job and they have a two different job offers they're looking at, and there's one's got a difference in salary and benefits of five thousand dollars a year. You know, it's not a huge difference when you're maybe 25 years old, but over 40 years, it could be a four hundred thousand dollar difference in cumulative earnings. And if we're able to help capture some of that money on the balance sheet and it grew at 7% per year, hypothetically, you know, that could add a million dollars to their balance sheet. Just that's relatively small difference in a starting salary. So, you know, we really need to help young clients think about their earning potential in terms of their ability to, to produce wealth or build wealth over time and help them keep as much of it on their balance sheet as possible. That young professionals will arguably never be younger or healthier than they are right now. 
and they've got big futures to plan and protect ahead of them. And so it's really just about helping them get a few of the big things right and helping them avoid some potentially costly mistakes. And the sooner we start, the less difficult the work is for them. Nice. I think everything you said makes makes a lot of sense. And, you know, something that, that is not talked a lot about in, uh, in, in, in financial media is this idea of, of protecting your most valuable asset, which is, you know, which is your ability to earn an income. And we do have a sure. tendency to protect all of our stuff, um, the golden eggs, if if you will, but but we don't protect the golden goose, which is you and and, and, right. and your ability to make that income. Is that is, is that a, a conversation that, that, that people grasp onto about protecting income or is that something that, that they need a little bit of work on? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's both. It's it's something that they've really never considered because nobody's ever really shown them how to properly frame the question. And, and the way you just put it, it's exactly right, that you have to look at income not in you know your next paycheck necessarily, but think about life and what it would be like if your next paycheck was your last paycheck, right? That if suddenly tomorrow you woke up and all of the income you're ever going to earn was gone – but you got to keep all of the assets on your balance sheet that you have today. How would that make you feel? I'll put that question to you. Yeah. Um, well, how would I, if I got to keep everything, I didn't worry about that, then I'd feel pretty confident. Well, how about somebody who maybe didn't have a lot on their balance sheet yet? Somebody oh, then, who's yeah. maybe 25. <laughs> then, then, then I wouldn't feel good about it at all. Not great, right? But how about if you had to sacrifice everything on your balance sheet, but got to know for sure that your income would continue forever? Well, that would be that would be very good. <laughs> It'd be great, right? Because you could, if worst case scenario, you could rebuild the right. assets out of the income, right? So it's it's about having that conversation with people and helping them understand that the number that matters when you're, I would say, in that more formative stage, first 20, 25 years of your career, even, is that income potential. You know, it's not the number that needs to be saved for retirement. You know, the big number walking around under the arm, like in the old ING commercials. You know, the lump sum that needs to be there for retirement. But it's about what is my income worth today and what's the potential that I have to create wealth from that number. And that number both needs to be protected, certainly. Um, but it's also the price tag for your goals, right? Everything that you want to accomplish in your life while working is going to have to come from that number. And so having a, a, a plan in place and a strategy around how do you you know, get the best use out of that um, is, is really what young people should be focusing on, frankly, yeah. with help. Totally agree. And the idea of controlling the controllables also really resonates a lot with me. And I have to imagine that it resonates with your clients as well. And just something as simple as instead of focusing on the rates of return, focus on your rate of saving. And that is, mm -hmm. I mean, out of all the controllables, that's probably one of the biggest ones. So it really is. I mean, we can't make the markets go up and down and we can't you know, control a lot of the different things that will happen to us in life. But what we can control is the amount of money that we're setting aside and the decisions that we make. And um, you're right that, you know, it's probably one of the biggest values out there for advisors and working with younger people is just to help them increase that number over time. Um, it's not something that people instinctively are going to do on their own. It's kind of like losing weight or, you know, trying to diet and exercise and things. It's, 
you know, there's there's a huge gap between knowledge and behavior in the sense that you know we we know things that are good for us to do right and not drinking excessively not smoking not you know eating unhealthy foods and exercising and all those things we should be doing but you know, do you do them and if not why not it's certainly not knowledge you know we know that I think we can all agree those are good habits but it's very different to put all of that into practice and the same thing is true in the personal finance world that I think most people would say that. You know, having proper protections in place and saving a healthy percentage of your income and, be, and investing for the future and reducing debt and all those things are, you know, really great things to aspire to and they're pretty non-controversial. But it's not easy to do, right? It's it's not easy to go do all those things yourself because there's just too many temptations and we're busy and there's too many decisions to make and it's it's overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah, it's one of those things that sounds easy and does hard for sure. So. I think Absolutely, there is immense value, and I'm I'm confident, obviously, that 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 you agree that working with a professional advisor can help you keep on, kind of help you get on the right track, but then stay on track and avoid common pitfalls that our brains will make us do sometimes. Absolutely, I mean, certainly I'm biased in that area, but I think it's never too early to engage the help of a financial professional because, you know, yes, there are apps and there's things out there today that exists in the tech space, that, but there's really no substitute for working with a human who knows you and your situation and can give you advice accordingly. I like it. Well, James, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, uh, my tip is just get started. You know, It doesn't matter where you've been. Uh, you are where you are today, and it's never too early or too late to get started. You, know, you can make a decision to make a change today if you're not happy with where you are and get help from a financial professional and help you make those decisions it'll move you closer to where you want to be well i think that is great stuff that definitely gets it come on come on james thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you well thank you for having me again you can find me at www.cplanning.com and you can also find me at www.planwithblueprint.com and you can find me on Twitter at JM underscore Matthews. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show James your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out his two websites and follow him on Twitter, and I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, James. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!